At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here we go. Pac-12 fans. This one's for you. Put your hands up! This is the Pac-12 Apostles. Keeping it real. And only the truth lives here. Pac-12 Apostles. Apostles. The Pac-12 fared very well in the NFL draft, considering the number of draft eligible prospects there were from the conference, which was less than last year. College football expansion is here. Uh, it'll be here by 2023, but the conference needs an advocate since Larry Scott is going out. And the email box is full from you guys. Thank you guys here on the Pac-12 Apostles. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. This is the podcast by Pac-12 fans for Pac-12 fans where you come and get the truth. You guys can shoot us emails. I'm Matt, I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. And also, you guys can give us a call. At, not a call, but uh, shoot us a text. 818-293-7547. 818-293-7547. Uh, so just so anybody uh, anybody knows, we are going to continue to do every other week for the Pac-12 Apostles until we get closer to the season. There's not as much stuff going on, but of course, when there are emergency episodes needed, like if it's not the same week when we when the new commissioner is announced, then, of course, we will drop emergency episodes as well. But Ralph, man, how is South Carolina treating you, well, North Carolina treating you, buddy? Um, I, I actually saved this for the show. I wanted to run this by you. I got into a confrontation at the Charlotte airport right after picking up my wife and daughter. Hadn't seen my daughter in a month. Um, oh, my God. My I haven't heard this story weeks. yet. Okay. Right. Okay. So I, I just wanted to, I want to run it by you. I wanted to get your take and I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm not going to make myself look like the hero. Nothing. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. So, uh, we, we get, um, all of our bags and, and my wife packed a lot of bags because there's still some of our stuff down in Arizona. So she figured if she could fly some of it, then that'd be less for me to drive when I fly out there in a couple of weeks and drive it all back. So she's got, probably five bags with her three big rolling ones. And so yeah. the three of us, my daughter's got a bag, my wife's got two and I've got two and we're crossing the crosswalk um, to get from the uh, loading and unloading zone. Um, it's the same as any other airport where you just kind of pull out real quick, drop people off, kick them out of your car or run out, get a quick hug and they hop into your car and you take off. So there's always people coming or going. There's always people crossing on the crosswalk. So you always have to make sure that you are hyper aware, probably more than anywhere else. You have to be super hyper aware in the departures, arrivals portion of the airport drop off. Yeah. Um, so we get into the crosswalk. 
there is a crossing guard guy who stops traffic when there's people in the crosswalk. So he stops traffic. There's four lanes. There's only cars in one of the lanes. So, and, and the okay. one lane is probably five cars deep. So in this guy's, um, to make, basically to make an excuse for this guy, he was the fourth car back. There's an open lane to his okay. left and open lane to his right. So very possible he doesn't see the crossing guard, but he's on his phone. So he got a phone in one hand, which I think is illegal out here. He's got a cigarette in, in, in the other. So like he doesn't even have hands on the steering wheel. He's driving with his, with his palms. Um, so he pulls out into the left lane. Mind you, traffic is stopped for my family to walk okay. across. So he pulls out in the left lane and punches it. And he's accelerating okay. into where my wife and, and daughter hits your family. The, right. So pretty simple. He wasn't paying attention. He got impatient and he tried to get around the situation and he put my kid and my wife in danger. So who you, who would you, you haven't seen in a month? Who I haven't seen in a month. Yeah. And I'm already like hyper uh, sensitive to the idea that we're all walking in traffic. Like it's already a, you know, so you're, you're on high alert anyway. Um, what would yeah. you have done in that situation? And I'll tell you what I did. Um, so he stopped, right? Yeah. Well, he like screeched on his brakes and then cigarette in one hand, phone in the other, just stared at us. I probably would have just like raised my raised my hands and be like, "Come on, come on, bro! Like, pay attention!" Like, and then just kept on walking. Probably, but my my uh, wife would have kicked the car. <laughs> okay, so here's what I did: nothing. You chose option C. I did nothing. Nothing, and by nothing I mean where I was standing when he hit the brakes is where I continued to stand. My wife and daughter finished crossing the street. I did not. How long did you stand there? Until he went around me. How long did that take? Probably 30 seconds, 30 long-ass seconds. He's like, Staren's not going to do nothing. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I didn't say a word. He didn't see my family, so I made sure he saw me. I stayed there, stared him down, and then he pulled off to the side, and he's like, you're not going to do anything. And I was like, you're the one in the car. And he looked kind of like, you know who Neil Brennan is? Yeah. The co-creator of Chappelle Show? Yeah, it looked kind of like yeah, Neil yeah. Brennan. Uh, so it, what the funny thing is, like, part of me was like, man, that'd be so funny if this was Neil Brennan. <laughs> like, but I, <laughs> I just stayed okay. there. I didn't, I didn't move. I didn't say a word. And then he just goes, fuck you, you fat fuck, and peels out. And that was the end of it. And my wife, of okay. course, was like, you know, she was like, you, you're starting something. You're, you're like, she thought that I was trying to start a fight. And I just said, I pointed to one of the pillars in the parking garage. I said, that's me. You got to go around me or through me, but you have to make the choice. He didn't see you guys. I made sure he saw me. My t I didn't raise my voice. I didn't curse at him. I didn't say anything about his mother. Okay, see. That's it. Okay. I don't hate your choice, right? I don't hate your choice. But I also don't think that that was necessarily a safe choice. Because you have crazy folks. And he may have run you over. And then how the hell would we do this podcast, the website? We have big plans, Ralph. And crazy people sometimes get in the way of that. So I tell you I what, would though, have he had, liked it. He was wearing designer eyeglasses. And for a moment, I thought to myself, like, we might have found ourselves a podcast sponsor. That dude, run, <laughs> that dude runs me over. He's he, he's paying for our show and more. <laughs> dude he um so i'm sitting here so i yeah like i said i don't hate your choice i get it a lot of other people would have kicked the car cussed them out flipped them off all of those things i just don't like the idea of standing in front of cars because cars hurt people so <laughs> like if you get hit by a car you're going to lose and i don't have time for for, for that but i don't think that you made a bad choice i, I thought you just made a 
you know, a, a choice that I wouldn't have made. I'm not going to call it sub suboptimal because I, because I respect you as a thoughtful human being, but I just wouldn't have made that choice. Okay, you know, so thanks, I for, rather, thanks for not rolling your eyes rather, at me like the, the crossing guard did. The crossing guard just looked at me and he rolled his eyes and went back to doing what he was doing. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to die over this. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> well, so that's how North Carolina is going. Your family made it home safe, which is, which is good. And for me out here in California, mm, not how much. It's just getting real hot as usual. Uh, yeah. So I bet um, I tell you what, George, oh, if you saw the, if you saw the size of my honeydew list since my wife got up here, I'm kind of hoping that dude would have run me over. <laughs> oh God, dude. I, I get m- m- my wife now knows that the honeydew list, it must be like five items or less. And then, so, so she actually r- reserves things on that list for later i think i think that she just gives me a list of a couple things because she knows if she gives me a list of 20 things there's about a zero percent chance that it's going to get done so at so she gives me a list of like three to five things i can knock those out but then as soon as those three to five things are done she's like oh yeah here's a, here's a few more things <laughs> here's so, the next chunk that's a rough thing about a 20 a 20 thing list is even if you get 12 done you failed <laughs> like even yep, if you even if you exactly. go all out exactly but if it's a three to five list i get a sense of accomplishment and i get a pat on the back but then i get another list but that that's fine because it's a whole new list so at least i so i could say i i did the one list so then when i miss a thing or two on the second list i'm already i already got hay in the <laughs> barn buddy <laughs> so uh, we, we can move on to the Pac-12, though. The Pac-12, so the NFL draft was last week. The Pac-12, I would say, had a fair, like that it had a good draft. That, granted, it did not have the most amount of people drafted, but there were less, this year there were less draft eligible players because so many kids went back to school for an additional year. So there were less, yeah, so there were less draft eligible players. So the percentage of draft eligible players was higher this year than it was in previous years. And a lot of people will, you know, a lot of people will judge and say, oh, well, the Pac-12 is so far behind all these other conferences. Here are the facts going into this draft that we just saw. Is between 2011 and 20, um, yeah, 2011 and 2020, that's 10 years, that the SEC had 529 draft picks, 103 first rounders. Ha- almost half of those were from Alabama, which is crazy. Uh, ACC, 360 and 50. The Big Ten, 359 and 45. And mind you, the ACC, SEC, and Big Ten have had, for uh, the bulk of this uh, 2011 to 2020, they've had 14 teams. So, and then we moved down to the Pac-12, 323 and 44 first-round picks. So only one less than the Big Ten in terms of first-rounders and six less than the ACC. And then you have the Big 12, which had 12 and 10 members. For those those years, uh, two hundred and twenty six and thirty three first rounders. So the Pac twelve has been better than the Big Twelve, and on par with the ACC and Big Ten, especially considering that they have two less teams. So what what was your take, Ralph, on this? Because a lot of people, you know, have the nerve and the audacity to you know, say the Pac-12 sucks. And I'm like, how can you say the Pac-12 sucks when the draft picks, you know, don't say that. And this goes back to narrative like we've heard for so long. 
I'm I'm with you 100%. These um, NFL teams don't think that the Pac-12 sucks. They still send the scouts out to all of these games. Every time I'm in a press box, I'm surrounded by NFL scouts, you know, a long laundry list of of people who are coming out to to check out the players. Is the is there a talent deficit in the Pac-12 compared to what is available in the recruiting footprint? Yes. And I think that that's much more alarming. It is much more alarming that the the Pac-12 loses people within the Pac-12 recruiting footprint on a regular basis to teams all over the country that then turn into NFL draft picks because I feel like if they stuck around, it'd be a wrap. It would not be yeah. comparable, you know, especially especially with West Texas sending a lot of people to um, the Pac-12. What what <laughs> the one thing that really didn't look good for the Pac-12 as a whole, including the footprint this year, is how much how much do I personally hype up uh, Arizona high school football? I'm always oh, trying to put it yes, on the level did. of like the third tier of the of the yeah. states that produce NFL talent. I'm always doing that, right? Guess how many uh, NFL draft picks came out of Arizona in this draft? Mm, two, one, one. And so I got I got to eat some humble pie. We got to go back to the drawing board. See, because see, that's, I don't think that's, that that's true because. All right. See, that may be brutal for this year, but I think that it's Arizona that really started to get on the map, I think, with their talent, with that class with Keely Ringo. I think that that was the first elite Arizona high school recruiting class. Right. I mean, am I? Am there, I yeah, there, there's been a you, few. You got the um, you got the Nikhil Harry Byron Murphy class was was pretty good but the the 2021 is unequaled it's it's the best ever i mean you're you're, yeah Yeah. you're talking keely yeah it's yeah so if you have no, no no that was the 2020 class so if you then have so in 2025 that the 2023 and 24 draft you should have more arizona players drafted i think like like kids from the state of Arizona because of the elite level that the recruiting classes are continuing to produce. I yeah, think that that's I mean, where you're going to see a transformation. I think the if the Pac-12 has anything to worry about from this last draft, it's that some guys who you thought would probably be surefire um, NFL draft picks coming into their college career – like Tyler Vaughn's and Elijah Griffin go undrafted because I believe both of those are five stars. I know Tyler Vaughn yeah. was, and I think Elijah Griffin yeah. was as well. Yeah, like that, so the, that reflects more poorly on the Pac-12, but then you got two stars like Frank Darby who ended up getting drafted ahead of Demetric Felton. And what did we both say? Neither one of us thought yeah. that that would happen. Yeah. And do, the, the interesting part about the, the guys that you said, I don't think that Elijah Griffin and Tyler Vaughn's not being drafted reflects poorly on the Pac-12. I think with Elijah Griffin, it reflects poorly on his decision to leave first and foremost. And secondly, on the development at USC, because if you look at USC's draft, right? You had Amon Ra St. Brown, who was a first, who was a five star. What, what was he like? Number eight in the country. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he, he was, was very pro- monster. Yeah, he was very productive in college as well. And then he ends up going in the what in the fourth round, number number one twelve. Granted, that's not a bad draft pick because I was number one oh one oh four. So I'm not knocking his his status, but. I think a, I think he and a lot of other people at USC who had been, you know, kind of a first round factory for so long, and especially rounds one through three, this was not a good showing. And the last drafts haven't been real good showings for them, despite having two first round draft picks in Elijah Vera Tucker and then the the other tackle who went down to Miami last year. Like what they do you, they what had do you think the, of- the first round guys, but. What? I I appreciate what you're trying to say, but at the same time, like 
USC is probably known for doing what a worse job at developing their offensive line over the last few years than their yes, any other position. And they have two first. And then they have back to back first round picks. Yeah, but you can also say that it's neither one of those dudes maximized their potential while in college. Well, well, because Elijah Vera, Vera Tucker was playing out of position compared in terms of what he comps to in the NFL. He was playing tackle, left tackle, when everybody thinks he's a guard. So. So if you have first round guys on your team and draft picks, you don't and they don't get drafted. That means that it's probably scheme that has something to do with it because USC can't run the football. But apparently they have players who can help run the football. And so that's the part that's kind of alarming. And you had. Oregon have five first round draft picks. Stanford have I'm sorry, five draft picks. Stanford had five, USC had five, Washington had four, Arizona had two, including uh, Gary Brightwell, who I told you was going to be uh, a high draft pick, and he would have been much higher had he not fumbled that, what, three times in that one game. Oregon State had two, UCLA had two, Arizona State, Cal, and Colorado had one. So who would you say had the best drafts? Uh, I so mean, I thought Oregon, I thought USC, Oregon, and Washington. Oh, no, go. On. I thought Oregon got guys drafted that I did not think were going to get drafted, which is the opposite of what happened last year. So I, I thought you, that looked good for them. Okay, okay. So we'll go through the the, the uh, picks for the uh, schools. So Oregon had Panesul go seventh, Javon Holland go in the second round at thirty six. And then they had Diamador Lenore go fifth round. Are these Brady all Breeze. all three of those guys sat out, right? How many yes. of those guys sat out? Was Brady Breeze one of them as well? Um, Brady Brady Breeze. Yep, Thomas Graham Jr., Javon Holland, and Panay Sewell. So Oregon had four guys drafted who didn't even play last year. Right. Didn't even play. So... <laughs> Um, and then you had Diamador Lenore, who did play last year, who opted out, but then opted back in, go in the fifth round. So, and then you had Washington have a first round pick, a, sec- a second round pick, a fifth round pick. Yeah. So, hmm. so how how would you judge judge their drafts? Because I think that obviously Oregon had the best draft, but the the next best draft I thought had to go to Stanford because Stanford had a second rounder with Walker Little. Davis Mills go third round. And truthfully, if Davis Mills had been able to play more, because he only started like 11 games, I think, in his whole college career, yeah. then he would have been a first round draft pick for sure. Paulson Adebo goes third round. And then they have Drew. Uh, Dahlman, their center, go go fourth round. So I thought that that – and then uh, Semi Fioco, who who turns out ran 4-3, got drafted That's in insane. the fifth round. I, I can't yeah, believe so he, after he, – because I always thought – I was like, oh, you got a big-bodied receiver, you know, who will go up and get it. That's a guy you really you should think about in later rounds. Finding out he ran a 4-3, I can't believe he lasted as long as he did. But doesn't that make sense, though? Because – when you watch him play, he would constantly be behind people. You're like, why are you letting this big oaf like run past you? And right. then you find out, oh, he runs four three. <laughs> the one guy on the field who runs a nine route for Stanford. You bite on the I always I just I just always thought like, oh, they ran the ball nine times in a row. Of course people are biting on the play action. I didn't realize he was fast fast. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know either, dude. I didn't have a clue. I was like, this dude ran four three. Are you kidding me? Okay, well now now it makes sense. Now it makes sense why he was behind people. Um, Did you watch the NFL so there, Network stream with David Shaw for the first round? No. Okay, so they had David Shaw at the desk for the whole first round, even though Stanford wasn't going to have any, you know, first round picks. I don't think that they they had planned on any first round picks from Stanford. And he's fantastic, man. He's so good on television. He's so good on television. I don't know if he is maximizing the value of being able to get up there and do what do what he does. It's not like he's out there plugging Stanford like crazy, 
or anything like that. And Stanford's requirements to get in are still Stanford's requirements to get in. So I'm just wondering, you know, what's in it for him? Is it just something he loves to do? He's just good at it? Or because I don't think more people are like, I want to go to Stanford because David Shaw is on set for the first round on NFL Network. You know? Exactly. I don't know. Exactly. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so how would you draft? So how would you grade? Well, okay, so I said that I thought Oregon and then Stanford had the second best draft and then followed by Washington and then USC. Uh, who would you how would you judge them uh, in terms of draft picks? I know I I think that you're I think that you're dead on. I think that Washington continues to do a really really good job of of getting especially their defensive players into um the NFL and then, <laughs> and then Levi Anzorike uh sits out the year and then was he their highest draft pick? I feel like he was one of their highest draft picks, if not the uh, highest. Joe Joe Tryon was first, Tryon, uh, okay, thirty second, and then forty first was Anzarike. And Anzarike gets to go play against his his college rival in practice because they both got drafted by the Lions, right? And what was what was the quote that Anzarike gave after he got drafted that that had you cracking up and calling me? Oh, oh, yeah. He was like, what did he uh, say? He was like, yeah, coach him out here ready to fuck people up or something. Like, we're, we're going to go out there and kill him. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's very interesting. And you had, so you had the Lions who were clearly trying to, with Dan Campbell, their new head coach, get Pac-12 fans to tune into their games because they drafted Oh, my Penesul. God, no, this is a Detroit Lions podcast now for sure. Right, they drafted Panesul, then Anzarike, then came back with um, Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamar Jefferson as well. Like, after trading for Jerry Goff, yeah, trading for Jerry Goff, and they got Tyrell Crosby on that line already, too. Which, which player though, were you surprised ended up going much later than you thought? Well, oh, oh and, and, and your player didn't get get drafted. The uh, one of the members in Ralph Amzen's family. So obviously, there's Khalil Tate. Then there is um, Josh Allen. Oh, 
Josh. Well, no, yes, yes. Josh. Josh. Oh, you Allen's give me. First. You also give me. Who was Washington's quarterback last year? You also gave me him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sin- so so yeah. so you have. Oh yeah. So you have Morris. You have Khalil Tate. Morris. You have. Uh, you just the, give me every Washington quarterback. The. Uh, who's the kid? Oh, Shug. Shuck. So so, Tyler Ty, Ty Shug's your guy. Shuck's your guy. Okay. You also have who else? Oh, and you have Hamilcar Rashid. Yep, you're right. He did not get drafted. He had and, a bad year. And and the kid from Arizona who just transferred, or, or did he not transfer? The uh, big tall quarterback. Who they kept from the University oh, of Oh, Grant Gannell. Grant Gannell. Yes. I like him all right. Yes, yeah, he's, he's at Memphis now. Grant, yeah. Yeah, and Grant Gannell's your guy too. So Okay. So moral of the story is if Ralph chooses you, <laughs> if Ralph chooses a guy, mm-mm. And who did I tell you I was taking? I told you. Oh, and Jamar Jefferson was, was, was one of your guys, I think, right? I like Jamar Jefferson. I like yeah. everyone. It's a fact of Apostles podcast. I like all these dudes. Dude. So so I chose up with Gary Brightwell Jr. Remember? Everybody was like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. I was like, no, this dude's spectacular. And then he went out and fumbled three times in a game. But I was like, no, this dude's going to be really good in the NFL. And I still stand by that. And apparently a lot of other people thought that as well. Now, imagine if he didn't fumble so much in that one game where he would have been drafted. Maybe, but maybe, maybe it's not a. Maybe with the premium on running backs, um, being being able to, you know, NFL GMs think of them as dime a dozen. So it's very possible that nothing changed as far as where Gary Brightwell ultimately got picked up. But you did call it. You said he's going to be an NFL running back. He was drafted um, higher, I believe, than the running back that he replaced. Which I feel like they're the same dude. So um, and and. I mean, no, 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 no. He was the first University of Arizona offensive player drafted in like five years. Which is crazy. That is how bad that is. Yeah. That is super bad, dude. Oh my technically, God. technically, they broke their streak when Tony Fields got drafted out of West Virginia. But remember, he left because he didn't think Pac-12 was going to have a season. So he spent his final year at West Virginia, and then I think he ended up in the fourth round or something like that, um, which I, I was still super excited for um, for him as well because when he transferred, he didn't know. Um, yeah. But I, Roy Lopez, I, that, that one was – I was overjoyed for him. He's fantastic. I love his his whole family is awesome. His dad used to be a high school head coach, and on the same team um, before his dad uh, quit, and they all transferred. You had Roy Lopez, Nikhil Harry, Byron Murphy, and Isaiah Polamau, who's Good out at Lord. USC, who you know is going to get drafted next year. Um, and yeah, and I mean that team was super stacked. And when he quit, they all kind of dispersed all over the place. But Roy Lopez played four real good years at New Mexico State before going to to University of Arizona. And then I felt like he was their best player. So kudos to to him getting drafted. The one that team that I thought came out looking really bad in all this is Arizona State because yes, Frank Darby gets drafted even though he didn't really contribute anything as a senior, but Ashari Crosswell declared after getting suspended after getting in a fist fight with Jack Jones that went way further than it needed to go. They both get suspended. Sherry Crosswell just declares he's told he's probably not going to get drafted. And he said, it doesn't matter. That was always the plan. And I want to, and that was on speak of the devil's podcast with, with Brad Denny that he had said it was always the plan to go after three years. It has nothing to do with Arizona state. There's no ill will here. The plan was always three years. So regardless of any hiccups, we stick to the original plan. He bet on himself. He's what? still not on the team. He didn't get picked That's, up as a, as oh a priority God. free agent do, or anything. Do you realize, what do you think of that? Do you, re- what do you think of that? George? I, I, the I, idea that I like think the plan that is the silly. Plan. I think that's silly. So that's the, thing about plans is that you make them and then you adjust after you get new information because you went in there blind as a high school kid and were like, yeah, I'm out in three years. 
yeah, I had that same plan too. And then I redshirted. <laughs> so then the plan changes because if you aren't going to be a, if you aren't projected to be a third round pick or higher, you should not be leaving early going to the NFL. I, I firmly believe that I would, I would, it's just bad advice because you put yourself at such a disadvantage when you are not drafted highly. Because if you are a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, a sprained ankle can literally get you cut. And because you don't get a chance to show how good you can be and all of that. As opposed to if you're a second round pick or a third round pick, they've got so much money tied up in you that they're going to say, oh, wait, he's he's a hurt. Let's either put him on PUP, stash him, put him on IR, something, and try to get him back because we need to see what we can get out of him. Fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, they don't have enough money invested in you unless they really, really love you to... Right. You, you, you know, and you're going to start out lower on the depth chart, which means that there's less opportunity there. So it it's just a bad proposition. And the idea that the plan is the plan, that's that is uh, immature thinking because. I, yeah, I, it's just there's these guys out there, George, like Lawrence Guy, right? Lawrence Guy left Arizona State early. He was a 233rd overall pick, and then he bounced around the NFL till he was 25, started producing for the Ravens, and then he signed multiple contracts with with the uh, the Patriots. He 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 has a four year 20 million deal dollar deal that's about to come up. He's going to be eligible for another contract, and I think players look at stuff like that and they say, "Yeah, like I'm I can I can do what Lawrence Guy did. I can bet on myself." Um, and that's just not – I mean, Lawrence Guy didn't have character issues. Lawrence Guy is a dude who didn't – he was dyslexic and school wasn't really for him. So when you have Lawrence Guy oh. who is dyslexic – what's up? Oh, you uh, went offline for a minute, and the last thing that you said is there are guys like well, Guy – Okay, I didn't know because I saw it was still recording on my end, so I didn't know. I can. I'll start over. I'll start. You don't make a note or whatever. Okay. That, um, yeah. But then, okay, so go. I think one of the issues is you have guys like Lawrence Guy who went to Arizona State, left early, got picked two hundred thirty third overall, and is now in his tenth year in the NFL and is about to get a big contract coming off his last big contract um, for the for the New England Patriots. But you know. When you're Ashari Crosswell and you got in a fist fight and got suspended, then chose not to come back, people see that as a character issue, right? Lawrence Guy's thing is he was dyslexic and college really wasn't for him anyway. So he was like, I'm not going to learn anything here. I'm going to go to the NFL. I'm going to make it my career. Um, and you can't depend on it because all sorts of things can happen. You get all sorts of dumb luck. You know, injuries, like anything can happen. Yeah. Um, so this, this, I, I don't know, man. The plan is the plan. And that's a rough. I wish the absolute best for Shari Crosswell because I look at him the same on the same wavelength talent wise as a Javon Holland. And so it's wild to watch Javon Holland go 36th overall and then a Shari Crosswell not even be a free agency pickup when he probably could have gone back as a senior and been part of a, a, a massive draft class coming out of ASU next year yep. with Jack Jones and 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 Evan Fields and Chase Lucas and all their linebackers and and possibly the quarterback as well. So, you know, I I don't know, man. I just I think that was the What do you think about the- What do you think about USC's draft though? Like the the, the fact that they have not been putting out draft picks at the same level. So like think about this. Since the in the Pac-12 era, right? So since 2015, when the conference went from 10 teams to uh, what? What 10 to 10 to 12? You have uh, in terms of top 10 overall draft picks, Oregon has four, Stanford has two, USC has two, Cal, UCLA, and Washington all have four. Nobody else has one since 2015. 
And the thing that sticks out to me there, obviously, uh, your uh, chest pokes pokes out at uh, Oregon because you know in six drafts you got four four top ten picks. That ain't that ain't bad. But it's USC only having two that really sticks out to me because they were known for this. So if you are USC and you're still getting good recruiting classes aside from the 2019 class, how do you like how are you okay with Clay Helton knowing that your draft picks are not be that means your kids are either not being developed or something? Well, the thing with the the most recent draft and the last couple of drafts as far as as far as USC goes is it's a reflection of how they've performed on the field. They're still getting a lot of their elite guys to the NFL. Just if you just talk about the last 4 years, I mean Sam Darnold, Ronald Jones, you know, no surprise there. Um, and 2019, they don't have a pick come off the board until until the the third round, but they still have four guys picked. Um, and I think it's just reflective of, you know, last year was really the bad one where you had Austin Jackson, Michael Pittman, then nobody else. Um, but in this draft, they had five. They probably should have had seven. It's ramping up. I think that you have to look at it and say that it's ramping up. The other thing that you, you would probably be encouraged by if you're USC is you see all of these different programs all over the country hiring Polynesian coaches trying to get a share of the market that USC for the most part has cornered and dominated as far as Polynesian football players coming in and being developed and ending up in the NFL. And you look at the the their most recent um draft and you see like, okay, they're back. They're back getting these poly guys into the league. And I think that that's going to um, make sure that they continue to uh, be a pipeline for some of the best um, Asian Pacific Islander talent in, you know, even though obviously you have the, the, the Sewell's um, at Oregon and, and, and you've got obviously some really, really good players elsewhere. But I think that, I think personally, this was way more encouraging for USC because the results still technically aren't there on the field. And you went from having two draft picks last year to five this year, knowing that it could have been seven, but it was probably on those players. Um, it, you know, whether whether it was, you know, something – Tyler Vaughn's never really did what his talent – like what, what was known um, that he could do. He never really dominated him. Perhaps it was the offense. I think he'll stick in the NFL. I think that even, even as a, a priority free agent, I think he'll stick in the NFL. And the Elijah Griffin thing, I mean, honestly, if he didn't act a fool after every single tackle down 20 points, he probably would have heard his name called maybe day two. Uh, see, I don't think that the antics after where I just think the production wasn't there. I think that when you when you watched his film, you saw he was clearly physically gifted and you're like, eh, I don't know. Eh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. So I think that that's it. But yes, there may have been some people who have been turned off by his personality as well. Um, the next thing up is the. You're going to have the, well, the college football playoff recently, they had a subcommittee that is exploring options for expansion. And that's going to happen as early as 2023. So it won't be this year or the next year, but the 2023. And there are scenarios that go six, eight, 10, 12, and 16 teams. They're all under consideration. Well, that's a great thing because the Pac-12, which has a perception problem, needs to at least get one automatic bid because eight teams with uh, the Power Five getting automatic bids plus two at-large bids and the highest group of five team. That seems like the best scenario to me. But obviously, they're involving things from six all the way up to 16, which would various ways if it's six then the top two seats would get buys same thing with 10 you know so there are different scenarios with it which i like all the teams having to play because then that gives you more options for for upsets but anyways i do believe though that the conference has to lobby and has to have some voice well the problem is is that the committee is going to meet in the fall 
they're, they're going to make a decision, I think, on the June 22nd. Like that, that's when everything kind of goes goes down where that's when the official gathering is. So all of this lobbying has to be done before then. But the Pac-12 doesn't have a commissioner in place yet to lobby on their behalf and also how much sway would that person have in the room if they're a brand new commissioner so i think that the pac-12 again has found itself in a disadvantageous situation but you have to find a way to make it work i agree i agree i don't i don't really have anything to add i just think that um, you've you've nailed it. You whittled it down to the Pac-12 has a perception problem over anything else. I'm buying into that. Um, I think that the perception problem, however, can result in a deficit in many other areas, whether it's talent, the product. I think everything can suffer because the perception pr- problem can filter into the amount of money that a sponsor is willing to offer you it can filter into the negotiations with different television networks and streaming services it definitely already has filtered into the way that local recruits see staying on the west coast um so the perception problem can create other legitimate problems when perception becomes reality yeah so which which iteration of it do you think you would like to see you tell. I mean, you, you tell me. I at this point, all all I can like. I, I'm. I think I'm trying to be humble enough to say that I don't know. I like. I don't. I don't know what is best. I don't know who will be best. I just want somebody who does the things that you've outlined, as far as prioritizing football unapologetically. Um, and I think that everything else will emanate from there on every possible um in every possible scenario once you get somebody in with the right mindset who is not a bullshitter the way that larry scott was yeah. a bullshitter you know uh, and i don't care if it's one people i don't i don't care i don't care if it's one person i don't care if it's two people i've seen a lot of people laugh at the idea of the pac 12 splitting up the duties um you and i floated that that could be a potential possibility a year and a half ago when when we laughed at yep. the idea that Larry Scott was doing two different jobs. So I, I don't hate that either. As long as as long as somebody comes in and understands where the bread is buttered and then is unapologetically all about the Pac-12 all the time, listens to the athletic directors and has connections with people who will help this league get seen. I think everything else falls into place. I just don't I don't think I'm going to be the one that comes up with the prize winning idea. Well, um, according to John Wilner, there are basically they're down to a couple of candidates and they may be Oliver Luck, Andrew Luck's dad, who's been a commissioner and all this stuff. He was involved with the AAF and other places. And this guy named Randy, Randy Freer. And Randy Freer is head of Hulu right now. And before that, he was with Fox Sports and he was with Fox News Network. I, he's been all over the place. And he's built brands. That's the guy that if you're going to split up two jobs, Randy Freer has to be one of one of your guys. And I don't I don't really have a feeling on Andrew Luck. I mean, on on Oliver Luck. But I do know that the Randy Freer part of this equation sounds really, really good because he was in charge of taking Hulu from just, oh, hey, you can come on here and watch some shows to now you have live TV subscriptions. They've partnered with, you know, HBO Max and Showtime and all these other all these other big media conglomerates to build something that's fantastic. That's actually outperforming, I think, YouTube TV at this point. So. How so? Why would you want anybody else? I would pay the man, pay the man his money, and my my dream scenario. My dream scenario: Melinda Gates takes this divorce money, buys my parent company at Rivals since we're up for sale again. Verizon is offloading Yahoo and AOL. 
and uh, Melinda Gates buys Yahoo and buys equity in the Pac-12 and then just lets Yahoo become the free streaming partner of the Pac-12 so that it's available to everybody all the time. She doesn't need the money anyway. Just let the people have the product and then she will be the person who saved the Pac-12 and saved all of the kids with mosquito nets. She'll be a twice-over hero. Melinda Gates, save us. So Melinda Gates is your answer to save the Pac-12, huh? Or unless Mackenzie Bezos wants to wants to throw her hat in the ring. <laughs> so, so, so who's supposed to take one for the team to save the Pac-12? I mean, I'm not taking look, one for the team. <laughs> I will. You know what? I will. Uh, it, if they want to hire me at this point, there is no way I could do a worse job. Just give me six months. Give me six months. I'll take one tenth of the pay of, of of Larry Scott. And and if it doesn't work, then you you'll have you you have six more months to find your replacement. If they haven't been able to find somebody by now, I feel like they're messing up. Yeah, well, they're just quote unquote doing their due diligence. And why um, all these people keep coming out and saying I'm no longer in contention or thanks but no thanks? It looks worse when you get like eight nine people who are like, "Hey, I appreciate you guys uh, thinking of me, but I, I'm focused on what I'm focused on." Every time something like yeah, that happens, I'm like, because they because they all got raises. They all got raises. And then it also says, hold up, that they're saying, listen, I know you're going to offer me a really good. You're going to offer me really, really good money. But if I think that this thing is I think that that may be indicative of where people feel like the conference is right now and how much work it has to do. And if it can even be done, because somebody may be saying, mm, nah. That's too much work. I don't want to sign up for 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 that. Like I want to, I want to be Phil Jackson and not Larry Brown. This is a Larry Brown situation right now. Yeah, we you, we just you, interviewed uh, UCLA. Have Iverson. We just interviewed UCLA graduate Rachel Luba. Maybe she's up for the task. Hey, I wouldn't listen. I would hire Rachel Luba before I hired Larry Scott. I tell you that damn much. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, 
So anyways, so but we have a bunch of questions, a bunch of email questions came in and I will check for reviews while you start with those. Okay, so I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. Make sure to email us your questions. We will always address them on the show. Um, we talk about reviews and we take listener questions here. It's what we do. I had uh, someone who I know listens every single time we put one of these podcasts out say that uh, reading the reviews is uh, a giant waste of their time. And while I apologize, we actually appreciate our listeners. And that's something that we're never going to not do. So I'll make sure to just consider this your alert. If you don't like hearing feedback from the actual fans of the conference, now is the time to fast forward to the end of the show. Um, but uh, we got a bunch in here that have collected over time and I'm at unafraidshow.com. So I figured let's go through, let's get to some of them. Uh, a lot of these touch on every single team. George, I'm just going to pose these questions to you. Let me know what you think. Um, here we go. Uh, first question, Pat Chun recently said that this Washington State football team is the most talented um, that they've ever had. Max Borgie, their running back, who didn't get to play a lot last year, but is returning this year, um, was just quoted as saying, I am back to be the best running back in the country. Are you buying or selling the Washington State hype coming from uh, their, their running back and their athletic director? I am 100% selling it because – Right now, they don't have a quarterback. Their best quarterback is Jaden Delora, and he isn't playing right now. So he got a DUI what a few months ago. We don't know. His status is in flux. And Jared Garantano is a starting quarterback right now. And if Jared Garantano, who was at Tennessee, grad transferred there. I remember Ralph was saying, he was like, yo, are you serious? Like you're going to have uh, that Washington state brought in Jared Garantano. And then, um, and then Jaden Delora gets a DUI. I don't think that those things are necessarily are, are not re related, but I told you Jared Garantano was bad. Their, their spring game, he threw a, a pick or a pick six, first doggone play. And when you go on the message boards, you have not seen positive things about what's been going on in practice with him. So while Washington State may be talented, more talented than they've been recently at a bunch of positions, it doesn't matter if you don't have a quarterback. We do not have a great track record of grad transfer quarterbacks coming into the Pac-12. Um, there are some people who put decent seasons together. Jacob Eason, decent. Um, I would say that Davis Mills or Davis Webb, Davis Mills, Davis Webb, decent. Um, I, we just had a transfer into Utah this last year that did not work out. And obviously they've moved on from him um, transfer quarterbacks coming from out of conference. And I would even, I'd even, you know, I know that there's some promise there, but I'd throw Anthony Brown in there as not being all that impressive yet. Tristan Jevia is not being all that impressive yet. The, the, all these quarterbacks that are coming from outside the conference into the conference have yet to really wow me. And maybe, maybe I'm off base here, but that's how I feel about it. Um, and I think that I Jared agree Guantano, with that. I would agree. Jared Guarantano is not going to be the guy that breaks that streak, in my no. opinion. No, yeah, no, he's 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 not, dude. He was inconsistent and you know average at tennis Tennessee. So think about this: Tennessee doesn't have a quarterback, and they didn't want Jared Garantano back. Like they were like, listen, we we we've had four years of this. We don't need the super senior year too. So that's what it what it is. Yeah, I I think that there's more talent on Washington State's offense outside of quarterback than maybe there has been in a really long time, especially when you consider Travell Harris is still on the team, Renard Bell is still on team, Max Borgie is is going to be paired with the other talented running back that Dion McIntosh that um, had some flashes last year. So they got to be really excited. But what is not exciting is when you have guys like Jamire Calvin and Hunter McGinnis transfer out of the program and they still don't have destinations yet. How bad did it have to be for them in that situation to bounce without anywhere to go, especially two talented guys like that. And so um, 
I don't know. I, I'm I'm going to sell on this. The Max Borgie thing is interesting to me because you were all about hyping Mac, Max Borgie when he wasn't out there saying that he was the best in the country. Now he's out here saying that he's the best in the country. Does that make you back off a little bit, George, since he, he doesn't need a hype man anymore? Uh, that, well, I've always thought that Max Borgie could could potentially – be good yeah I'm, i mean is he, sorry, even gonna, like, is he even gonna start is he even gonna get the majority of the carries now yes yes he's gonna get you the think majority. so okay yeah okay a- absolutely um all right so next question okay this one <laughs> this one i like i think this is a really good one um who has the better history recent history so just their time in the pack 12 so you can't you can't account for any of the time before that. Who has the better recent history at defensive line? Who would you take, Utah or University of Washington? Why would why would Oregon not be an option there? I think that I think they're just trying to compare between the two. Of them. And and first of all, oh, I oh, would probably okay, okay. Yeah, I would probably say. I would probably say that Oregon belong if we're talking about who's had the best defensive line over the last 10 years of Pac-12 play, Oregon belongs in the conversation, but definitely yeah, so does Washington go, uh, Utah. Eric, Eric, Eric Armstead, who's one of the highest paid defensive linemen in the league. Uh, DeForest Buckner, who's an all-pro. You have Kayvon Thibodeau, who's balling right right now. And you've had other guys make make rosters and all of that stuff in the NFL too. So, yeah, I, I would have to say the Oregon Ducks, but aside from that, I would probably go with Utah, and and th- th- this has nothing to do with Washington hate. Uh, this has to do with <laughs> Utah has put a lot of guys in the league. If we were going DBs, I would obviously I would choose Washington, but for the D line, I would have to go with Utah. Okay, so what what do you think puts Utah over the top? Is it the most recent, like the the Lecky Foto, yeah, uh, the the mo- the John Penasini that that whole group? Because I feel like I feel like if you're just doing it based off of University of Washington players who have been drafted up against Utah players who have been drafted, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. You have uh, just Ooh, this is and, just and defensive linemen that were drafted okay. in in the last. Uh, we'll, we'll do like 10, 10 years. So for Washington, you've got Levi Onzerike. Um, okay. You've got Greg Gaines, Vita Vea, um, Elijah Qualls, Danny Shelton. That's a really good one. Um, Alameda yep. Taamu. Um, and then that, yeah. And then Daniel Teo Neshim, that takes us back 10, 10 drafts. And then for uh, for Utah, um, we got Lecky Fotu, John Panasini, um, Bradley Anai, and that was just off their most uh, recent. Um, you have, if you're going back a few years, Kyle Fitz, Kylie Fitz. Yeah, I said that wrong. Um, Joe Kruger's star low to lay. Um, it's not that it's honestly, it's not that many. Well, actually, actually, I would put it when you read off all the names, I would have to go with Washington because they've had higher picks and they've had some guys who've been really good in the league as well. Um, I think we got time for one more, Ralph. Okay. All uh, right. So let's go. Uh, let's see if I can find. Um, the best one. Okay, here we go. What does Chip Kelly need to do this year to win the Pac-12 South? First of all, is it possible? And second, what would they actually yes! need to do? Yes, it is possible, dude. I'm the same man who two years ago was like Ralph was like they're only good. they're only going to win one <laughs> one one okay. game, and they won four. And then last <laughs> year, I was like, this team is going to be better. Their defense, their defense is going to be really good this year in UCLA. So they can win the Pac-12 South, provided that Dorian Thompson Robinson plays well, that he's not, you know, three plays, 
uh, that sorry that he's not two plays and, and you're like, yo, that play, that dude's an NFL player. And then one play, you're like, OK, that was solid. That was, you know, average quarterback play. And then another play where you're like, what the fuck was that? That was trash. He should not be on the field. So if as long as he can turn that what the fuck was that into just. All right. That was all right. Then they can win the Pac-12 South because nobody in the Pac-12 South is going undefeated. UCLA is um, USC is undercoached and underdeveloped. And that 2019 class is going to be playing either a big factor in terms of playing or not playing (laughs) either way. So, yeah. So I, I actually like UCLA to win the South. You, do you think that they um, – do you think Chip Kelly gets his first out-of-conference win? They have they, – They got Hawaii LSU. at home, LSU at home, Fresno State at home. Absol- absolutely. They they win at least two out of those three games, at least. They might knock LSU off. Tell you. Do, you. do you think the whispers start about Chip Kelly if they don't beat Todd Graham in Hawaii? Yes, and they, and they should. If they don't beat Hawaii, like if they don't beat Hawaii, and who'd you say, Fresno State or San Diego they State? Have, they have Hawaii and LSU as their opening two games, both at home, and then they got a two-week break going into Fresno State at home. Dude, they they must beat Hawaii and Fresno State and look service and look at even if they lose to LSU, they need to look okay. They need to look okay. Because if they get housed like they did against Oklahoma, because Oklahoma is expected to be, you know, Oklahoma was one of the better teams in the country that year and they were rebuilding. If they get housed, that ain't going to be a good a good look. But if they compete and lose, everybody can live with that. They have uh, they have scored exactly 14 points in three straight out of conference losses. So hopefully they score more than 14. And 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 don't make Todd Graham look like he belongs back in the Pac-12 because that's going to be that'd be super embarrassing for for Todd Graham yep. to come back in and start oh beating up on teams. Dude, that would be one of the worst case scenarios <laughs> for <laughs> the conference. Um, and I, I know we still have some some emails, but we will continue to get to those on every single podcast you guys make sure that you guys continue to send them in i'm mad at unafraidshow.com hit us up 818-293-7547 on the phone on the textoso line hit us up hit us up on twitter make sure you share the podcast tell a friend about it peace out catch you guys next episode at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.